It's Harlem Shack, brown looking shack in the building. And it's time to get uncomfortable. Hello and welcome. It's time for Shakisha and the White Boy. I am Ryan Dinger, your resident white boy. And of course, it wouldn't be Shakisha and the White Boy without my uh, dear friend and partner. She is a writer, a director, a producer. She's now a podcast host. And she is an all-around badass. She is the one and only Shakisha Williams. It Shakisha. sounds to me like you're talking about some bad mofo. <laughs> And I really don't know who that person That's is. That's you. I'm just a normal, average girl. <laughs> Your wild ways. You're too modest. You're too modest. <laughs> Your wild ways scare <laughs> and elude me, sir. How you are know, you today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great. Here we are. We are kicking Come off. Come on. This has been months of planning, and now we're starting. And I actually already have a bone to pick with you. So, oh, fuck. Uh, when we first met, I was told explicitly never to call you Shaq. And Ooh. in your intro here, what did you call yourself? Harlem Shack Brown. <laughs> and not only that, but that's the second time you've called yourself Shack this week, my friend. One on record now. Oh, God. What was the other time I called myself Shaq? I don't know. We're just bullshitting or something. It was, no, uh, it was Brown Liquor <laughs> Shack. It was absolutely Brown Liquor. It probably was. It was Brown Liquor Shack. I didn't notice the Brown Liquor. I just noticed <laughs> the, the Shack, and I was like, yo. I mean, you have agency over your name and what you be It's called. a very alter so, ego-y thing. It's yeah. not Shakisha in the realm of all right. that I am. It's another form of me. I like, like it. You know, like yeah, the yeah. cornball, goofy. It's like a sort of like a hip-hop persona. Like, you know? like, some, like years ago they would call me K-Swizzle. I don't like K-Swizzle. Not in yeah, the least. I'm not, I'm not a fan of that one. But either. I let it, you know, I let it lie because I, totally. I understood the place that it was coming from. <laughs> you know, K-Swizzle, get out on a dance floor and was doing a thing. Yeah. You know, sh you know, Brown Liquor Shack, we already had the conversation. I'm not telling the world about Brown Liquor Shack. We don't need to talk about her. She's problematic. <laughs> I'm not going to start calling you Shack. I did, I did have you. to say I noticed it. So you I had to do. give me a ahia. I had to embarrass you within the first, uh, what, two minutes of this podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. So I'm already asserting my... Uh, and here we are. Like, this is so dope, man. We're, like, actually yeah, doing this. We're doing it. And we're, we're here because our... Like, friendship is based on us just being real honest and upfront about not only just friendship stuff, but like about race, because you're really white. <laughs> you're really white. I really you're not am. like, you're not a white Mike. You're like Ryan from Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. Of, you can see the red in my beard a little bit. You, you're a tinge of ginger, bro. Tinge of ginger. European all up in this beast. No doubt about it. I deserve that. I am very white. So, like, I, for it us. It was like when I was like, hey, Shakisha. <laughs> You think maybe it'd be cool if, like, I gave you, if I called you, like, Shaq? <laughs> would, that be, would that be neat? Wouldn't that be neat if we had nicknames for each other? It's not an exaggeration. That's what happened. Oh, fuck. So, you're right. I yeah. So, I yeah, you were, you were kind of white. You're dancing. Guys, if you ever want to know how Ryan Dinger, like, gets down on the dance floor, there's a video of a fisherman dancing to Alicia Keys. I promise you that is his brother, like, and from another mother. Because that guy has Ryan's dance moves. And to Ryan's uh, credit, he said he dances just a little bit better than me. So, oh, yeah. yeah. So. I mean, you know, I, I do... 
I do have some rhythm. No, no, you, say. no, you. Like I can stay on beat for yeah. sure, but my moves are uh, unique. We'll it, it, it definitely kind of is a little stereotypical at times. Yeah, yeah. Well, to, you know, yeah. I'm. I don't have any kids, but I am quickly making the transition to middle-aged dad. I feel like. So, <laughs> so your moves are catching yeah, up I'm with your start with your with the dances where you are in life. I love to dance, and you know. And that's the thing I that I, I love most about you is that we, we just like to really, when we get a chance to cut loose, our, you know, spirit animals are yeah. like solid gold dancers. Definitely. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, so. in my mind, I'm like MJ or something. Like, I'm doing <laughs> the lean. I'm moonwalking. People are like, yo, the fuck is he doing that? And... <laughs> In reality, I look like uh, Rick Astley or something. Yeah. So, and 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 what's what's funny about our intro today is it has nothing to do with the podcast. Like we, I I think our banter is really, um, it just really sh- goes to show how we are in real life. Yeah. Um, but the podcast is going to take us places that other people are going to be like, holy shit. I think so. I mean, we got a great topic today to talk about, and we will get into all of that. Um, but we did say we wanted to sort of set this up a little bit and, yeah. and talk about what we were seeing. And I think you touched on it already. Um, we kind of realized together that we were having conversations that seemed uh, not only important, but also um you know worth sharing and we were like yo why don't we start recording this stuff and uh that's kind of where we got there and and i think you know we we both see it as sort of a vehicle to uh maybe shift conversations for other people too because as you noted i am extremely white i came from a very different background than you do uh you know i grew up in the suburbs uh in new jersey and um you know, you grew up here in New York City. Harlem. So, so right in the thick of it, Harlem in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, Correct. a lot different then than Broken it is glass now. everywhere. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, uh, and I was raised by a grandmother who grew up in the South and was born in 1919. So yeah. she was in the heart and thick of Jim I didn't know Crow. That about your grandma. Yeah, wow. heart and thick of Jim Crow. Um, a quick experience, she was actually bitten by a dog. Uh, Her grandmother worked for white people, and she was bitten by a dog. And at that time, um, you automatically got about 20 needles in your belly um, to avoid getting uh, rabies. Rabies. So in order, they wanted to test the dog or make sure that the dog was okay, but the owner of the dog was like, no. Um, And she ended up getting the 20 needles. And basically the guy said, you know, I'm not going to take my dog and put him, because obviously something was wrong with the dog. Yeah. I'm not going to put my dog down for a nigga girl. Jeez. And so, but this is what she grew up with. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and, and a lot of other stories, like tons that we'll get into yeah. at a later date. But, so I had a totally different view. The, there, there is, you know, when I grew up, there was no trust for white people. There was no dialogue with white people. Enemy, um, a lot of what, the, not necessarily because my grandmother was Jehovah's Witness, but a lot of things that the um, FOI said, I think she really kind of went with that black, the white man was the devil. Yeah. Um, so I kind of grew up in a very distrusting place when it came to white people. And what's funny is I grew up with all white teachers. Like most of my teachers yeah. it, from first to seventh grade were white. Yeah. 
Where was your grandma from? Where did you Georgia. Oh, okay. Georgia, right. yeah. She That's grew crazy. up in Georgia. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. You, you were like really close with your grandma growing I up. I was. Right? She was like my mom. Yeah. So she 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 raised me. Yeah. Um. So I mean, she was a hellcat. She, ooh, it was rough. Um. But I got a lot of my strength from her, and yeah. a lot of the, you know, get up and do that shit yourself. Don't wait for anyone to give you anything. Yeah, like yeah. that kind of mentality. So, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you definitely still have that mentality today, for sure. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, so I think what we, we both kind of settled on and that what's interesting is, like, we come from these very different backgrounds, and yet, like, we're kindred spirits in yeah. a way. Like, we like a lot of the same stuff. I swear we and, fought a war together in yeah. some crazy... I'm, I'm with you. Like, yeah. we, <laughs> we laugh at all the same yeah. stuff. Like... So it, it's kind we were of like sisters in arms. I swear you were a woman in your past life. I feel like I might be a woman now, not in like a transgender way. Like I was definitely a you're a cis man. You're a cis hetero. I am yeah, cis, <laughs> cis male for sure. And I don't mean to to make a joke about no, that. But, no, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, I think that I, I think it's true that I have some womanly tendencies. Maybe I'm not the manliest man out there for sure. I'm a I'm a I'm a new age guy. Yeah, you know? yeah. I think you you totally fit what malehood man i'll say manhood or malehood is yeah. today yeah yeah yeah, yeah totally yeah. yeah uh yeah yeah so. yeah um so so with that being said what we're trying to do is just talk about the things that make people uncomfortable make that generally um people between races don't get a chance to chat about that don't get a chance to mm -hmm. really get in a room and hash out um you know we always going through something and guys i'm telling you when we bring it to the table, we want you to write in, we want you to email us, um, let us know what you think, let us know the situations you've been in. We'd love to address them on on online um, and, and really kind of dig deep. Yeah, definitely. I think um, having a two-way conversation with an audience, I, you know, would, I, I think we both see that as a goal Absolutely. in the long term for this, uh, to sort of start this and have this be the conversation starter. but it's not going to be the conversation ender. Right? Absolutely. It's going to continue going on. And, uh, you know, if all goes according to plan, we can hopefully make some, you know, yeah. turn these into larger conversations. It's a lot of shit to unpack, I think It is Ryan. a lot of shit to unpack. <laughs> <laughs> right. it's, it's crazy times right now. Yeah. But the other thing I did want to say is uh, I think it also is meant to sort of um, show people uh, the importance of, talking with and connecting with people who aren't like you because mm. just because someone doesn't look like you or doesn't come from the same background that you do doesn't mean that you can't find common ground Absolutely. and sometimes a lot of common ground and, and realize that we're not actually that dissimilar at all. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I'm definitely a big believer in the idea that uh, people very much are alike and want the same things and for the most part, obviously yeah. there are exceptions to every rule, but for the most part are coming from the same place. You know, everyone just wants to Live a good life. Live a good life. Have, have shelter, food. Fall in loved. love. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. and uh, when you start to realize that and, and and get to the core of that, you realize, okay, I can kind of fuck with anyone. Like, yeah. I'm gonna find the, if I if I try and I come with it with a you know an open mind and mm -hmm. trying to really connect, I'm gonna be able to find common ground with a lot of people and. Um, you know, have conversations that I need to have to not only help them expand their own worldview, but to expand mine too. Yeah. And I think that we're sort of seeing this as a launching point, hopefully for people to be inspired to do that. Definitely. 
So, get into let's it. Let's do it. Come on. Today's episode of the pod is called The Same Old Conversation. And uh, this is something that, a topic that we've talked about a lot uh, as we've, you know, been planning these episodes. And we thought that it was really important to start with this one. Um, so I want to ask you, when you hear that phrase, the same old conversation, uh, what does that mean to you? Well, when we talked about it, it was a, it's based on um, a lot of what we discuss when we have our conversations, whether it be about race or politics or economics or whatever it is. Um, the idea that there is a rebirth of racism, sexism, um, all the wonderful isms that replay themselves, whether it's the de 60s decade or the 70s or 80s, 90s, or even now, um, that unless we really unpack it and really kind of lay it out, it seems like we're in a tailspin. Like we're right back to where we started from. Um, and the things that, uh, you know, led the civil rights movement, the things that led the, you know, the, the right for uh, women's health when it came to birth control or um, many of the, the rights that we have now, they're being they're under attack again. Like, how do we get here again? It's because we refuse to have the honest conversations and the honest talks. And here we fucking are. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it seems like there's always some marginalized group on the chopping block, like always. you said before. And right now it happens to be Hispanics, but... You know, uh, it's it's all it's just this cycle, and there's always a new victim, and that's been going on for a long time. Yeah. And uh, so when we were talking about this, you mentioned this video that you remembered um, that you saw on YouTube. Or yeah. Uh, did you see? Do you remember this episode actually premiering? I'm not that fucking old that I remember all, right. all <laughs> of the Oprahs, <laughs> but I did mention I I like in in studying and and trying to get content for our conversation, I did run across a uh, interesting interview that Oprah had with Donald Trump. Yes. And so one thing before we go to this, we said, <laughs> we, we said when we were doing this, this pod, when we were planning this, this podcast, we said we were not going to make, we wanted it to be a political podcast, but we were right. not going to make it about Donald DTJ. fucking Trump. Trump, Donald fucking Trump. Donald give no fucking fucks, Trump. F-U-X, uh, about DTJ. Because I think we both agree he's sort of a, a, a symptom to a larger problem. He himself is maybe not the issue. It's the fact that he's been able to get to this place and, and have this power that is really, you know, speaks to a, a larger True. issue, right? True. So we said all this, but this whole segment on Oprah really sort of speaks to what it is we're talking about. It's a good about. fucking so example. Let's go ahead and play that, and then, uh, and then we can react to it. Come on. We got a full-page ad in uh, major U.S. newspapers uh, last year criticizing U.S. foreign policy. What would you do differently, Donald? I'd make our allies, forgetting about the enemies, the enemies you can't talk to so easily, I'd make our allies pay their fair share. We're a debtor nation. Something's going to happen over the next number of years with this country, because you can't keep going on losing $200 billion, and yet we, we let Japan come in and dump everything right into our markets and everything. It's not free trade. If you ever go to Japan right now and try to sell something, forget about it, Oprah. Just forget about it. It's almost impossible. They don't have laws against it. They just make it impossible. They come over here. They sell their cars, their VCRs. They knock the hell out of our companies. And, hey, I have tremendous respect for the Japanese people. I mean, you can respect somebody that's beating the hell out of you, but they are beating the hell out of this country. 
Kuwait, they live like kings. The poorest person in Kuwait, they live like kings. And yet they're not paying. We make it possible for them to sell their oil. Why aren't they paying us 25% of what they're making? It's a joke. This, this sounds like political presidential talk to me. And I know people have talked to you about whether or not you want to run. Would you, would you ever? Probably not. But I, I do get tired of seeing the country ripped Why off. would you not? I just don't think I really have the inclination to do it. I love what I'm doing. I really like it. Also, I, it doesn't pay as well. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but, you know, I just probably wouldn't do it, Oprah. I probably wouldn't, but I do get tired of seeing what's happening with this country. And if it got so bad, I would never want to rule it out totally because I really am tired of seeing what's happening with this country, how we're, how we're really making other people live like kings, and we're not. Okay, we can cut it there as uh, now they talk about the 1988 mm -hmm. presidential candidates, but... Swap Japan for China and Kuwait for Saudi Arabia. It's, it's exactly his campaign in 2016 and, and what he continues to talk about today. It's insane. Yeah. Like, the, the similarities about trade and how we're getting ripped off and, you know, in 1988 Japan was kicking our ass and all this stuff. Yeah. You would have thought that the country was coming to an end tomorrow, you know, but it, would, it wasn't even going to make it to 1990. Again, yeah. this video was in 1988. 40 years later, we're still here as a nation. Obviously, he changed his mind about running. <laughs> Had some thoughts about that and decided, well, what the hell? Yeah, he, uh, he didn't want to rule that. And how about <laughs> Oprah, man? Obviously, it doesn't pay as well. Come on. <sighs> Come on. But so we, we, we watched this clip together a mm -hmm. few times. And I think our big takeaway, aside from the fact that Donald Trump is still living off of the same fucking bullshit that he was in the 80s, our big thing is, is, is how Oprah, uh, you know, she's coalescing to him. She's, or acquiescing, rather. She's, uh, she's kind of playing up to him, she's you know? She's playing up. She's, and, and not only that, if you look at the audience and how like literally their 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 bodies are sitting forward i know this is a podcast and you can't see it but they're really kind of into it and they're really um really taking in everything that he's saying um there's a show it's called pose and one of the characters in pose happens to work for the trump organization and what that meant and as he goes around and tells people what he does for a living how that really harkens back to exactly how people reacted to yeah. hearing Donald Trump. I mean, I'm a kid of the 90s. Totally. So all yeah. of the hip-hop mentioned Trump some sort of way. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Growing yeah. up in New Jersey, I've known what a piece of shit this guy is for my entire life. Basically, I live 40 minutes from Atlantic City. So, mm -hmm. uh, But outside of our sort, you know, our little circle and, you know, our bubble, yeah. I think that people don't really realize. And uh, I'd also like to say, you know, this video is on YouTube, by the way, if you want to watch it. It's called Oprah Winfrey Interviews Donald Trump in 1988. Uh, the hairstyles back then were something. Lovely. Man. Just lovely. A lot of lovely. hairspray. <laughs> a lot of hairspray <laughs> there. Oprah herself, Oprah, look at her. Oprah has amended her look. That is, she has that changed. is quite a quaff. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, I mean, yeah. getting back to it, though, like, she's not... It's obvious at this time that Donald Trump is slinging bullshit, and I can't say that I know what Oprah's thinking, but I have to think she's aware enough to know that this is not true. What he's saying is is alarmist. Well, he was a popular figure. Sure, you and know. he was seen 
I don't know what bankruptcy he was on at this time. <laughs> I, I wasn't seven, but he was seen as a successful businessman. S- successful time. American sure. story, an entrepreneur. It was during the time of like, you know, the, the yuppie. Yep. So, you know, real estate, Wall Street, Wall Street was yeah. really big. Totally. So, so yeah. So, I mean, you know, for the, I'm not playing, I'm just playing devil's advocate. No. That it's Oprah, time to get uncomfortable, Shakisha. <laughs> <laughs> um, that Oprah brought someone, whether whether he was polarizing or not, onto yeah. the show because he made for good television, and that's the that's the thing. Trump has always made good TV. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he gets ratings. He gets ratings. Uh, you know, not so much anymore. Uh, for the wrong reasons now. Na- yeah, for sure, for sure. That's for the that's wrong a better reasons, way to put it. Reason now, but he's still um, the the center of American news. Right, right. But so. You see, in 1988, you see an inability to hold him accountable by a huge media figure. <clears throat> Oprah's on top of the world at this time. You know, she's uh, she's she's got it all, and she's she's probably queen of media at the point. She's probably you know, if not the biggest, she's definitely one of the biggest representatives of the black community in media mm-hmm. at this time, and, and you know, it, it still is today, obviously. Yeah. And even, particularly mainstream. So I'm kind of curious about that, like. Is is that a fault of Oprah's, or is that a product of the media and you, you know, Oprah as a black woman needing to play the media game and sort of suck up to the, to this douchebag rather than maybe asking him some of the hard questions that that he could have been asked in this situation. I like the way you put that, Brian. So I'm going to answer you. <laughs> um, so I, I think as so when you think of Oprah, I, I think Oprah was beyond black. If you look at the Oprah Winfrey show, the Oprah Winfrey show's main um, demographic were white suburban women. Mm-hmm. So she wasn't, so it wasn't for, it wasn't an Oprah black thing, it was an Oprah doing the damn job thing. Yeah. Um, and again, this is a very, you know, at the time Donald Trump still, like it's crazy, right? Like Donald Trump is still like, Donald Trump. He's but the same he's as that guy. Except scary. Way older and more wrinkly. Like But the same guy. Same as that person. But it's less threatening when he doesn't run your country. When he's oh, just yeah. running Trump Enterprises, it's fine. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent on this, but I have to say it's funny Bring because it. like he has to be kicking himself about running for president in some mm. ways. Because he could have done all the stuff that he's done. We know that he was defrauding people and doing all this shady shit for years. long before he became president and he could have done all that and mm-hmm. ridden off into the sunset and never been held accountable for any of it but he decided to run for president and now he's under this microscope and all this stuff that everyone all, all, always sort of knew was under the surface is coming out like he's got to be kicking himself I think for I think it's almost a matter of the kid in school who allowed someone to ask? Who who uh, could w- allowed himself to be convinced to ask out the popular girl? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like so, you're like, no, she likes you. No, she's gonna want you. And you get him, and then he finally does it, and then it's just like, oh, <laughs> and he's like, what the fuck did I do? Yeah. So it it was like he asked out yeah, the pretty yeah. girl. Totally. You know, and, and a bit of him was like, yeah, I could get this, yeah, and right. and now that he's gotten it, it. I do want to amend a little bit. I actually don't think he feels regret because I think regret would take self-awareness. 
And I ah. don't believe that Donald has that. But I, I think that your analogy is right. And if, if he was capable of a modicum of self-awareness, he would, he would be kicking off. himself. <laughs> he would be kicking himself. But to get back to the, to the point of, yes. of, of playing this clip, we talked about before you know, we, we went live with the pod, uh, we talked about the PC. We talked about um, what was at the root of of uh, what Donald is saying here, and how it's at the root of a lot of uh, what you see in American media, and, and that yeah. is fear. Not American media in general, American culture. It is very fear driven, and when we talk about the same mm-hmm. old conversation, that's what we talk about, right? Yeah. And when you think about it, everything is driven by fear, and. And we were going on about this idea, and we started to get into um, uh, the documentary 13th, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. how they sort of go through all these different presidential elections and how each one, in a way, Have whether it. Democratic yeah. or Republican, delved into fear this based. idea of fear. Nixon, you know, coined the nation of laws and the war on drugs. Reagan actually institutes the modern war on drugs. Um, you know, and he, he said he, he was going to fix this and he identified who the bad guys were and mm-hmm. who they were going to go get. H.W., uh, you know, he goes back to the days of military weakness and how Americans care more about criminals than our veterans and all of that. Yes. Uh, which is an absurd. I mean, I'm not saying Americans care about veterans, but they certainly don't care about criminals either. Yeah. But then you see it even with Clinton, who was a Democrat in the 90s, and you know the super predator, predator and yeah. needing to crack down on crime, and all these guys who have won elections. W, I mean, in 2004, the, mm-hmm. the just banging the 9/11 drum as hard as he could, he rode Absolutely. that to another presidential term. Rudy G- Giuliani has built an entire career yeah. off of that. <laughs> that guy yeah. could have gone away 18 years ago if that thing never happened. He's Absolutely. gotten an entire second half of his, of his career out of 9-11. Yeah. Um, you know, Obama we talked about, and he sort of broke away from that a little bit with, with hope and wanting change and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you still, the, the point still stands. You see it starting in, you know, with Nixon in the 70s and going yes. all the way through. And Donald Trump now just got elected president talking the same exact talking points, saying the same exact talking points that Absolutely. he had in 1988. And you wonder how are we going to get over this? Because the media doesn't, doesn't have any interest in stopping it. Right, fear drives ratings. You said it yourself. Trump still gets ratings today. It's for the wrong reasons. It, it absolutely, but people is. still tune in. So if I'm if I'm watching the news, it's much more um, interesting to run a you know a news flash where someone is murdered or gang related violence than it is to actually talk about someone who's doing something positive in the community. Those are more rare than anything mm-hmm. that you'd ever find on. Yeah. Like you, I'd go to YouTube and find something wonderful and heartfelt as opposed to watching the news in the morning when they're like 30 people were killed you're like what is happening so our culture of fear has it's really weird because i feel um that the media is a guiding force um to fear but if we're if we're really honest it's us that guides the conversation um just recently this actually happened a couple of days ago where these kids were in dc and they kind of were going back and forth with some Hebrew Israelites 
Now, mm-hmm. I'm a black woman. I've lived in Harlem my whole life. So I'm, I'm really familiar with um, the black Israelites and sometimes and sometimes their speech is really like in your face it it is racist and it could be um what's misogynistic um so a lot of times that rhetoric is like what is happening and i'm a black woman and i live in the community like what are you doing so yeah right so i'm I'm giving the whole picture because then there was a native man who happens to be a veteran who I don't think he was confronting. They were the the guys began the the young people from the school with manga hats on. Yeah. Uh uh <laughs> started chanting mm-hmm. and jumping around and he pulled out the drum and was beating the drum and kind of did a face off with the yeah, young Yeah. He said kid. he was trying to defuse the situation. He was trying to defuse it. This by, is uh in case anyone doesn't remember, this is the Covington Catholic uh incident with the Native American in DC at the uh, March for Life. Yes. What, Yes, thank yeah, you. Because I don't know when we're going to actually get this up. So yes. just so just as a touchstone. Yes, no, absolutely. Sorry. No, no worries. And in that that moment when I heard about the Israelite portion, I was like, I can kind of see where it would have gone off the rails. However, mm-hmm. it was a disrespect to that gentleman, and I see why there's so much controversy surrounding it. Now, Anyone who's wearing a Make America Great Again hat, there's already there's some. There's a signal there. There's yeah. already a signal as to what's really happening, what what you're bringing to the table. Mm-hmm. So between these two groups, and then this one interaction in time. So we, but they keep talking about this one interaction. No one's talking about all of the sides yeah. that are going into it. Please do not get it twisted. I am not, under any circumstances, defending those young boys. No, but I think. You're touching on something that I wanted to touch on too, which is that this sort of fear-based media that that uh, we see everywhere, mm-hmm. everyone's susceptible to it. Uh, Absolutely. And I, and I was thinking as you were talking about um, the guys, that, you know, your impressions of what happened with Covington Catholic and how you were sort of like conflicted because of the different videos, um, and obviously not condoning what happened, but. I think when we think about people who are driven by fear and, and their politics and stuff, we often think about people on the right. And I think that's unfair in a way, I have to say, because people on the left, people who are progressive, are just as susceptible to this type of thing as people on the right are. I mm-hmm. mean, like, you know, George, or, excuse me, Bill Clinton, who, again, is not very progressive by today's standards, but in, 19, in the 90s was seen as a pretty left-leaning Yes. Uh, progressive guy, yeah. uh, you know, super predator, and and I was thinking about a scenario that uh, that happened with me that we Uh-oh. talked about before. Yeah, uh, and you know, you've known me well enough. You know my politics and and where I stand on a lot of things. But uh, sometimes you get out of your own head, and mm-hmm. and sometimes you get hammered enough with something that uh, you know it, it has an effect on you. Maybe has gives you a thought or a feeling that you recognize after the fact is wrong, but in the moment mm-hmm. it's there and. What I was thinking about is uh, when I first moved uh, to the New York City area, um, which was about, I guess about five and a half years ago now in 2013. And so when I first moved, again, I'm coming from a small suburban town. I'm sort of going through a bunch of culture shock, right? And how many um, black people did you grow up with? Not many, okay. not many. Mm-hmm. I had one black friend in high school. Uh, oh no, you were the one black friend guy. I, oh, I was the one black Ryan. friend guy. He was the only. It was about one of like seven black kids in my entire school. So, okay. but it was yeah. a, it was a predominantly white community. Um, but yeah, so I'm going through all this culture shock, and I'm living in an area that's uh, 
mainly Hispanic. You know, the mm -hmm. population must have been 80% Hispanic. But anyway, the point is, is I move up here and it's the, that first winter, it's 20, you know, the end of 2013. And uh, I don't know if you'll remember this, but at the time there was this, I don't want us to use the word trend because it wasn't a trend, but the way that the media portrayed it is that it was this trend. It, it was, was called a thing, yeah. the knockout game. Yeah. And what the knockout game was is that there were these teenagers. I started teenagers. that, by the way. Yeah, yeah you did. I did. It was just me. <laughs> well, you scared the hell out of me. Sorry. Uh, there were these teenagers who were going around and just sort of like randomly punching people to see if they could knock them out, right? Mm -hmm. And I saw a news report about it and didn't really think anything of it. Um, but the way the media portrayed it is as if it's like kids are rampant. These, these black teenagers are out on the streets just looking for people to punch. And, you know, I, like I said, I see the first report and it doesn't really, like, affect me in any way. But then my friend sends me, like, uh, you know, uh, on Facebook a video of another incident of happening in Hoboken, which is nearby in New York City. And uh, at that point, it's, it sort of started to get to me a little bit, right? So mm -hmm. I remember that night I'm walking home and, uh, and I'm not proud of this, but I, I want to I share it because I think it illustrates that anyone is susceptible to this this type of thing and I'm walking home and uh, I'm on the same side you know approaching me on the sidewalk it's nighttime is is a group of young black teenagers and uh, immediately my head goes knockout game up oh, like mm. you, know, you better be on your guard here yeah and I felt like such an idiot after the fact but uh, I get like so I'm, I'm walking by them on the sidewalk and I get so like move over so far to allow them room to pass that I actually, my jacket, and this is karma, by the way, this is absolutely what I deserve, my jacket gets caught on the fence where I'm walking by and actually tears a little bit. You deserve that. That's absolutely what I deserved. <laughs> That's absolutely what I deserved. But, yeah. and then I get home and, you know, I just moved up here. I just started a new job. I'm broke. I can't afford a new jacket. I've got a hole. And I'm like, you, you fucking idiot. Like, and obviously nothing happened and nothing mm -hmm. would happen. There was maybe five incidents of this happening. Yeah across the entire New York metro area. But the way that the media portrayed it was, it's this rampant thing that's going on. And, you know, since then I've realized how stupid that is and, and I recognize that it was racist of me to feel that way. Um, but it's so much easier to, to throw an idea against the wall to see if it'll stick. And if someone, like, uh, I, I think there was a point where people were getting pushed onto the tracks. And my mother-in-law, who we love dearly, is, you know, she's an old woman. And she's like, make sure you tell the kids when they go and get on the train not to get near the tracks because people are getting pushed on the tracks. Yeah. Because you trust the news, you believe the news, because why would the news want to do anything that would make you, you know... Like to make you scared. It, right. It's only to inform you. It's only to inform you. Just the facts. Just the facts. <laughs> nothing subversive, nothing underhanded, nothing seedy going on here. We're yeah. just giving you. And what's gotten even worse with the news is now we're in a, a time where I can only, I have an opportunity to only listen to things that I agree with. So it's even worse than it was before. Yeah, so there aren't just blanket, this is what's going on, this is what's happening, and this is what's happening. There are specific, there's conservative media and there's liberal media. There's Rachel Maddow and there's the guys on the other channel who I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, what's the one? Is it, is Shep it, Smith? Is He's it Tom Brady? Oh, Shep Smith. It's not Tom Brady. <laughs> Tom Brady probably has appeared. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him.
No, but honestly, so now it's gotten even worse. So I can only, so I can, yeah. I can choose to listen to what I agree with and what I believe, which is dangerous, which is yeah. utterly dangerous. And I think it also plays into, into again, what we were talking about, this idea that people on the left, progressive people, will often think, oh, not me. I never do that. But yeah. every person at some point in their life has done something like that stupid story that I did with the knockout game, right? Absolutely. And the difference between someone who is able to move forward and, and grow as a person is the ability to recognize it, right? Yeah. And if you can't recognize that you're doing something that's damaging or, or misinformed or, or just flat out racist, how can you ever go, go ahead and fix it, right? And an echo chamber where you're constantly hit with same opinions and told, you know, yeah. oh, your ideas are the right ones, that only reinforces this idea that you don't have any work to do, right? I and, love that. I love the, thank you. Right, but it's the truth. It is, like, it is the God's honest truth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we talked about um, uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates and uh, Between the World and Me before, and I, and I love mm. that book. Um, and he says, he says that, you know, that very idea, and I don't remember the exact quote, but it's mm -hmm. basically, if you can't even recognize your own racism, how can you ever fix it, you know? Absolutely. Uh, because it exists within all of us, these prejudices that, that occur. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's, it's, in a way, it's human nature, but it's also, it's not definitive, right? You're able to overcome these things or, or be better if you just recognize them and work toward that. Mm -hmm. um, and the media is not really doing us any favors. But you had said all. earlier that, uh, it, we sort of guide the conversation, right? That Absolutely. it's easy to put it on the media and that we as individuals sort of have an obligation to do our own work and sort of make a difference in that way. Um, so like, I, and this is definitely like a big question, but you know, fears at, at the root of like all of this that we're talking about. So like, what's the solution then, you know? Yeah. Um I'm, I'm definitely going to tap into that. Little side note, we didn't talk about this before, so I'm gonna get you with this one. Oh, I like it. After the 2016 election, we had gone to a, a, like a Korean barbecue that took way too long, because I think they had one pot, one, one burner. And on our way back, we were just kind of like talking, and we're talking to another friend of ours, Mike, shout out to Mike. And the two of you were kind of in this rage, <laughs> in this, and yeah. this white guy rage about the elections and how could it get, how could people stand by and let this happen? Now, now are we seeing, are people seeing what we're seeing? Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I remember it felt so good I it, yeah. because I said, in all my Zen love, <laughs> welcome to being black. Yeah. 24 7, well. 365. And, and actually, Mike and I have talked about that since. Really? Uh, yeah. And Mike uh, Mike is Berberock, actually, who does the theme song for this show. So nice. We'll give him a shout out at the end of the episode, also. But uh, yeah, we talked about that because you're so right. We're in our like white privilege, like, what the fuck? This is the worst thing that could ever happen. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> This has been my entire life, guys. My existence. And yeah. You're right. You're right. And that kind of brought us back to like, okay. Yeah. yeah like, you, we're yeah. there. We're you there. get up on some, some, some Richard Wright, some James so think, Baldwin. But um, I think the, the honest, the, the best thing to do or to move and push the conversation forward is exactly what I did, which is open. One, listen. I think we're so um, quick to shut a conversation down because we mm -hmm. don't like what's being said. 
Yeah. That we don't give that person an opportunity, one, to just talk, and two, for us to then say, okay, here's, here's some corrective thinking, or here's my opinion. Yeah. Um, so we have to be willing to listen, which is really hard for people to do. Um, then we have to be willing to get outside of our comfort zones and be around people that we're not normally around. Open up our minds a little bit. Um, maybe invite some folks over to our house. And I still owe you like a dinner. I cook like a motherfucker. But yeah, we've been talking about it. Yo, I motherfucking get down <laughs> like for real. Like it's badass because I'm getting ready to move. So, but, but once I move, yeah, yeah, you're no, in. No, we're you're good, in. We're good. But like, no, sitting down, breaking bread, and like really being in the yeah. space of one another. Yeah. To, to have the the courage to start talking. I don't talk to people I don't know. Yeah. You know, and, and open it up. I think that that, has, that is important. Uh, you know, stepping into uncomfortable spaces, uncomfortable discussions, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, I, I know that you are always very honest with me when we talk about these things, and I try to be with you. And I think that that is important because there are a lot of things that I can learn from you that I just wouldn't know otherwise. Like you mentioned after the Korean barbecue, you know, yeah. I was sort of stuck in my own headspace and you sort of brought me back to like, you know, it's been this way for other people, for you know, pe marginalized groups for a long time. Eons. Um, so yeah, and I, I, think, I think that that's part of it, making yourself uncomfortable, which is kind of like why we're starting this, yeah. trying to have these uncomfortable conversations and record them and maybe spur other people to have them too. Um, but I think something else that we talked about is is uh, trusting your eyes. Mm. You know, you get a lot of a lot of like misinformation out there in the media now, or or stuff that's only meant to reinforce what you already believe. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that people are reticent to believe, uh, not even just their eyes, just in general, trust people. You know, if you tell me about an experience you had. You know, we're friends and we have that foundation, but why would I go into, why would I assume anyone was lying about an experience they mm -hmm. had? You know, mm -hmm. I've never been in that person's shoes. I don't know what their life was like. If you see on a video, you see something going down that doesn't look right, trust what you're seeing in that. Your instincts, human instincts are pretty good in that regard. And don't let the like spin and all the other angles coming out sort of deviate you from what you initially were seeing mm -hmm. and be honest like with yourself. Like the Mike Browns and yeah, the Eric Garner. Be yeah, honest yeah. with yourself. Eric Garner is the best case. There were people that were defending that. I mean, it's... You don't know what happened before. What's happening in what, front of your eyes. It doesn't matter what doesn't happened matter before. What happened. It couldn't have been worth someone's life, right? Not at all. And we watched a person be murdered on video. Yeah. And there were people who still were not able to be honest with themselves about what they were seeing, right? Yeah. So I think that's kind of the key. You need to be honest with yourself. You need to be honest with others. And I also believe that, and even, like, this is something that in sitting and having this discussion with you is coming to me. Like, honestly, we have to be more street activists. And when I say that, I mean when we hear about laws and we hear about change, maybe become a part of it as opposed to kind of sitting on the sidelines and hoping that our lawmakers will make the right choices. Yeah. Like we have to kind of get in the game. Um, not everyone has the same power or the same structure or the same ability um, or even the time to do certain things. But mm -hmm. stuff like 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 this, like you and I have in this conversation yeah. is a way to push conversations forward. I really um, believe that 
you know, we'll have the opportunity to talk to lawmakers and activists and people who are making real change. Yeah. Um, and that's the hope for what we're doing today Absolutely. is that that becomes yeah. that for us mm -hmm. um, and, and bringing it to people who honestly may not have heard it before in, in the same way. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I think just just building on what you said, I think there is a, an element of sacrifice there. Um, you know, yeah. sometimes yeah, you need yeah. to not go out to brunch because there's a demonstration or something that needs to happen. And those are I, I will admit, like, that seems like a very trivial trivial conversation or you know a trivial mm -hmm. decision or like a, a trivial thing to get like how up. does that change anything but when you're working nine to five job you're grinding all week you get to saturday it's hard sometimes it's hard to want to give up your social at you know what you're supposed to do shit i'm tired now and absolutely like i mean <laughs> it's been a long day it's been a, it's long, been a long day, day. it's but been a long year and it's only it's January. the middle of january <laughs> so i don't know how that keeps but happening. i think it's important that it's done yeah, it, it, it needs to be. Like, if yeah. you if you really, truly want to affect change in this world, and I'm talking about any type of change, whether you're coming from the right or the left, I try not to judge people based on, you know, their political ideology, as long as it, I find that it's not uh, oppressing people, you yeah. know? Um, and there's debate about, you know, whether the ideologies do or not. But I generally try and give people the benefit of the doubt, and, and we'll, you know, mm -hmm. I'll... I'll get down with people who are on the other side of the political spectrum uh, because I think it's good to have those conversations. Yeah. But if you really want to affect change, you need to make a sacrifice or do something somewhere. And that, that doesn't matter what kind of change it is, it's not gonna happen if you're not doing those things. And you need to, you need to speak your truth, yeah. you need to. And you need to believe other people when they speak theirs, I think is, is, is probably even more important. More importantly, a group is stupid. A, a, people are, are dumb, but a person, if I individualize you and I'm a, able to talk to you and really identify with you on something, like we can have some common ground, you still may walk away with your, because um, you know the stories I could tell you about my work environment that yeah. I've faced um, by even some well-meaning folks. We'll get into those at some, a later yeah, date. Yeah, we can, yeah. But, um, like, for me... I feel like if I talk to you one-on-one, -on -one, I can show you a different way. Um, I don't think that every black person should have to um, be the, the bagger Vance of mm -hmm. the world. Like, totally. we don't always have to lead the charge. Yeah. But what I feel like is if you have an opportunity to befriend someone or find uh, some sort of common ground, I can get you to where you need to be. I can give you some more information. Yeah. I can give you another way to look at it as opposed to it being in a bubble in a news you know, flash or some tweet or tweet, how president tweets, this is crazy. Some tweet that the president, you know, says or something that you see on Instagram, yeah. a sound bite. Yeah. Um, that I could give you something outside of the sound bite. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, that's the answer. I guess we're, what? I guess we're done there. We, we saw Now the, fuck, look out the window. Is it peace and, no? Oh, fuck. Someone's uh, getting arrested. I guess we got to do another episode. Oh, right? shit. All right. Work continues. So that's a wrap for the first episode of Shakisha and the White Boy. Before we sign off, we'd like to mention we're doing a mailbag. Shakisha, tell the lovely people what we're looking for with the mailbag. We want to hear from you. We want your feedback. We want to get your questions. Uh, no question to we we really are, are looking for the hard stuff. So. 
you know. Yeah, honestly, if you have a question that you're afraid to ask someone else because you think it might be controversial or something that you don't feel comfortable talking about publicly, send it our way because uh, we'll talk about it publicly. I'll tell you now, though, don't touch a black woman's hair. Yeah, that, yeah, don't send that one in, please, because uh, we've established now. <laughs> Easy answer. Yes. Don't so, do it. <laughs> So if you have any questions for that, you can send them to Shakisha and the White Boy at gmail.com. That's all one word. And Shakisha is spelled S-H-A-K-E-S-H-A. Thank you, Shakisha. Our theme song was written by Berberock. You can find more from him on Apple Music, Spotify, or at Berberock.com. That's Berberock, B-R-B-R-C-K. And please, 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 if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at S-A-T-W-B-1. And uh, that's all we have for now, guys. Until next time, we out. Peace.